Well, good morning. This week we enter the last chapter of Romans. And so how was your homework? And anything that stood out to you that you want to share? I think Paul was loved by many people. Yeah. And, and he gave them credit. It wasn't like Paul took the credit. He gave the people the credit. Yeah. And I think uh, it, it probably was, he probably had a greater ministry because of his interaction with people. Yeah. Paul had had a community and he knew the importance of that community and and their significance, their role in his ministry. It, yeah. And just the fact that he named them all. And I'm the guy who's writing it to him. Wow. 26 of them. Yeah. 26 yeah. names. Yeah, because this is the way that Paul ends a lot of his letters is is with a with greetings to people um and so that's that's how he is ending this one with some personal greetings and elizabeth is going to read our <laughs> our list of names for us just let me know when you're ready go oh, okay. 1 through 16 okay. um <clears throat> i many women he mentioned. Um, I mean, we talk about Christianity. The, the word today is that Christianity is all about the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. But when you actually look at the text, it's not. Christianity elevated women. And the fact that Paul would mention them and mention some of them by name is, you know, awesome. So, all right, here we go. I'm about to read. Here we go. Woo, okay. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in uh, Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the church, churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epetinus, who was the first convert to Christ in that province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet and Plutius. My dear friend in the Lord, greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachius. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my friend Paris, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Neresis, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. 
Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. <laughs> so there are 26 that are greeted by name and two that are unnamed. Um, and then several churches that are also mentioned. Uh, but we don't know a lot about these these individuals. Um, most of them are completely unknown except for their name being listed in this passage. And yet they were still included in the Bible and are still uh, intentionally there. God inspired to be there. And so it's, it's worth taking a look at um, because it's, they have significance even though we don't know much about them. So it's like Sandy was saying at the beginning, part of this serves as a reminder that the people who are, um, you know, that Paul was, was loved by people, that he knew people, that he was a real person with real relationships. Um, but it, it's, it's a reminder to us as well that these are the people who are receiving this letter you know, we can, we can sit here and we can read the Bible and, and think about it just in terms of theology and doctrine and from a very surface level. Um, but it was written by a real person to real people. Um, real people, real churches. It wasn't just an exercise in writing for him. It wasn't a, a theology textbook for him. It wasn't just a way for God to inspire Paul to write this letter for us to read 2,000 years later. It's meaningful to us because it's part of the canon of Scripture, but these were very real situations, very real questions, very real concerns for the Roman church that we've been studying for the last several months. And, and Paul is addressing those real concerns for them, which also applies uh, in our churches today, but it, but it gives us that, um, that idea of Paul being a friend maker and a soul winner. He did not live an isolated life. These are people that helped him both personally and in ministry. And it's a reminder to us that we need people. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, we are sheep and sheep flock together. Now, for some of you in this room, this is an easy thing. You are extroverts. Being with people gives you energy. It excites you. You know that you need people. You don't have to work hard to remember that. You don't have to go into a situation and dread being surrounded by people. For others in this room, we are introverts. <laughs> Going home after Bible study is a thing we look forward to <laughs> because being around large groups of people is exhausting. But that doesn't mean that just because I'm an introvert that I'm not made for community. Uh, I, I was created for community just like the extrovert was created for community. And seeing these this list of names in this... The, because we have to remember, Paul hasn't even made it to Rome yet. And yet he already has a community in Rome. And so just like Paul, we need community, both for, for our uh, personal lives as well as our service to the church. But as we look at these, it's, 
there are 26 named individuals and two that are not named, so 28 people, we see a very diverse group. Uh, based on just the names alone, you can tell that some are Jews and some are Gentiles. We probably can't tell as easily as theologians who are more familiar with the languages, but some of those names are Latin names and some of them are, are Jewish names. Um, we see that there, it's both men and women. Uh, nine of those listed by name are women. There was also a range of class and social standing. Some were wealthy with a high, almost royal rank, and others were commoners. Um, we'll see some of those shortly, but uh, well, we're going to sort of dig into some of the some of the people just so we can see what what we should walk away from this passage with how we should how we should be changed by this so first the first one mentioned is phoebe and paul commends her to the church this means most likely she is the one that actually carried the letter from corinth to rome so paul trusted her implicitly but she was also traveling uh, into Rome, and so that meant that she had some importance or some wealth, because particularly as a woman, for her to be able to travel back and forth, it it, it wasn't easy. Uh, it um, and and uh, um, Lydia, for some of us that are going through the twelve extraordinary women. Um, Lydia is another one, but it's clear that Lydia is not married because she was able to travel um, in, in the same way that, that Phoebe is traveling. But she, so she has some importance, but she's also uh, one who supported the church and the people. She didn't just have wealth. She didn't just have importance and significance in the business world. She was using that to, to support the church. Uh, the, the NIV uses the word deaconess, um, and the Greek word there is diakonos, which means servant or deacon. So when the ESV says a servant of the church, and the NIV says a deaconess of the church it's it's the same word it's this but it means the same thing um we don't know exactly what her area of ministry was what her service to the church was but we know by the use of that word that she actually had one um and and in in the early church there were women who were um who did serve the church in the role of deaconess, not just Phoebe. Uh, they served by visiting the sick, by assisting other young women, by helping the poor. Uh, you know, she is carrying a letter to the church in Rome. There are different, um, many different roles that women in the church had. That That deacon is different from elder. They still served 
they were servants of the church and not necessarily leaders of the church. So two different roles um, to, to think about with that particular word. Um, so that's, that's Phoebe. But then next we have a pair of people, um, and, and you've probably heard of them before. Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned in the book of Acts. And I gave somebody Acts 18, and there's a bunch of different verses. So it's, but it's all Acts 18. It's verses 1 through 3, 18 and 19, and 26. Did I give somebody that one? Eighteen. Okay. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Okay. And then verse eighteen says, Paul stayed. accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centuria because of a vow he had taken. They, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He, went, he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then 24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard them, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Could you repeat that again? Acts yes, eight. it's Acts 18, verses 1 through 3, verses 18 and 19. And then I had her start reading in, in 24, so you knew the situation, but they are mentioned in verse 26. So it's 24 through 26 was what, what Don read. So in those verses, in Acts, what are some things that we learn about Priscilla and Aquila? They were married. And he was a tent maker. Tent maker. Jewish. Jewish. They got kicked out of Rome. Yeah. And then they welcomed Paul into their home. But they also they also traveled with Paul at one point. But then that last that last part's the one that was was really neat to me. So they have learned from Paul, and then here they go into the synagogue, and they are teaching somebody who is knows the things of God, but not necessarily the things of Jesus. And they go and they they say, "Hey, come with us. We want to teach you the rest of the story." And so that's what they do. They bring him into their bring this man into their home, and they start teaching him about Jesus. And so they had learned from Paul in that time that they were together and, and were able to then carry on his ministry 
of, of expanding the church. In, um, in our passage in Romans, in verse 4, it says, who, uh, in the ESV, who risked, risked their necks for my life. Um, we don't know the story of them saving Paul's life, and that's okay. We just know it's there in the Bible, and so they did something. Um, and, but what we do know about these people is that they were, they were people who came alongside Paul, served with him, and ser- served him as well by, by inviting them, hosting him in their home. Um, and, and so that, uh, that's what we know about Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, then we see Eponudus. He was the first convert of Asia. Um, I don't think I had somebody read 1 Corinthians 16, 15, but that's where he's mentioned, is uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. There he is not mentioned by name, but is mentioned as being of the house of Stephanus. Um, and so, yeah, now we know what his name was. Um, and then, then there are four women who are praised for their hard work, and these are throughout, but we've got Mary, Trophina, Trophosa, and Persis. Um, we see Adronicus and Junia as, um, in, in his words, are my kinsmen and fellow prisoners, Kinsmen here, it's possible it means blood relatives, uh, but it can also just mean Jews, likely from the tribe of Benjamin, which was where was Paul's tribe. And so um, probably not like brothers or cousins necessarily, but um, still there, there is, particularly at that time, but still to this day, the Jewish religion is also their culture and their their genetics as well and so there's um that that kinsman isn't necessarily like a close relative but um but more notable about adronicus and junia than just being kinsmen and fellow prisoners is the the fa- phrase in the VS- ESV, it says they are well known to the apostles. The NIV, which I think is what Elizabeth was reading, says outstanding among the apostles. Um, just these names are not listed among the 12 apostles because we include Matthias to replace Judas, right? Those are the 12 um, nor are they shown to have a special calling and authority like Paul did uh, on that road to Damascus. And so we have to use the broader definition of a, apostle instead of the specific one. And so the, the, the actual Greek word apostolos means to be sent. Um, and so the, in the early church, they used they used the phrase apostles of the churches, which were, were like missionaries of the church. The church was sending these people. Um, they didn't have that same authority as the 12 plus Paul. 
And so Tim Keller talks about a distinction between like the small a apostle versus the big a apostle. Um, so small a apostles are, are the missionaries, those with unusual leadership gifts. And the capital A, the big A apostles, are those who have that absolute authority from Jesus himself. And so when it says they are, um, let me find the right phrase again, outstanding among the apostles, it's that little a apostle for um, uh, Adronicus and Junia more than, and not that they were outstanding among the twelve which is really the 13, because you have to add Paul. So, um, so these, but, but the point is, these were messengers of the gospel, and they were clearly well-known and well-respected. Um, the only other hint of, of, that we may know of another person in this passage is the possibility of Rufus in verse 13. Um, it is possible that this may be the Rufus from Mark fifteen twenty one. And I and they compelled a passerby Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, carrying his cross. So according to Mark, who was Rufus? The son of Simon the Cyrene. Yeah, the son of Simon the Cyrene, and Simon the Cyrene is the one who carried the cross for Jesus, um, who was forced to carry the cross for Jesus. So the reason that this may be the same person is Mark wrote his gospel from Rome. And he is the only one of the gospel writers that identified the sons of Simon. And so there's a theory that Simon took his family and immigrated to Rome and became important in the church there. Um, and so that would be why um, Paul why theologians think that this might be the same Rufus is that relationship to, to Mark in Rome. Um, so, but even if this wasn't the same person, we still know that there is a close relationship between Paul and Rufus because his mother had been like a mother to Paul. You know, we have in, in my, um, growing up i had i had several fake aunts that's what we call them but you still called them aunt right it was aunt judy and aunt linda and and that's just what you did um they weren't officially blood but they they would have treated me just like one of their own um it, there was no question of of love from them or is no question of love from them uh and, and so that's the type of relationship that Paul had with Rufus's mother. Um, but these, these verses here, even though, again, we don't know everybody, they do give us additional hints about the early church. Because we see that the structure of the early church was, was these house churches. You know, house churches seems like a very, or feels like a very foreign concept to us in some ways. Um, but it just means that Christians met in family-sized groups to carry out those ministries that, that we described the last couple of weeks in Roman, Romans 15 with um, Bible study and worship and fellowship and evangelism and, and serving. Um, 
it's different than what we think of for a church today, but it's not unheard of. Right. It is. There is an aspect of it that that is is like this Bible study meeting in someone's house to to do these to do these things. Um, they just didn't have bigger buildings where they could go and and do church like we do. Um, and so that that gives us some of some of those those things that we can still learn about the church and learn about the people even though we don't know much about those people um it's just that that um idea of of having the community the idea of of serving together the idea of um the, the di- diversity within the group, all those things. But then Paul kind of shifts gears for verses 17 through 20. So um, whoever has Romans 16, 17 through 20. And so he goes from greeting his friends and friends of the church to giving a warning of coming danger. And he isn't just warning them about division within the church, but he's warning them against those who are actively causing division within the church. You know, not everyone was helping to spread the gospel. Some people, and, and Paul particularly points out those who are doing it for selfish reasons, were trying to divide the church by teaching false doctrine. And this wasn't only something that happened in the Roman church. Um, there's a passage in Galatians that talks about it, but we're going to read Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body and so he because paul wrote philippians as well paul is warning he he warned the philippian church and he's warning the roman church to beware of to religious propaganda of deceit Um, if you don't know this still happens today just last week, um, you know, yesterday, I, well, I checked the mail this morning because it was raining yesterday, let's face it. I wasn't going out in that cold rain to grab the mail from the mailbox. Nothing was that important. 
Um, so I checked it this morning and I was like, oh, this one's junk, this one's junk. And I just immediately tossed them in the trash because, you know, you can always tell those things. They either they don't have a return address or their return address. One of the one was about getting new windows in our house, which we probably could use, but we don't need them yet. So just junk, right? Um, but last week, there was, we got the mail and I was bringing the mail in and there was a handwritten envelope and I was like oh well I can't just throw that one away right I have to we'll have to actually open that one and see because it was a local return address um, and so didn't think of it as junk mail left it on the table because it was addressed to Ray um, but you know what it was it was a letter from the Jehovah's Witness Church about their beliefs and about the goodness of their beliefs. You know, this is a reason that Pastor Matt and, and Pastor Ray are both, uh, and Joe and Jonathan as well, but they're, they're very careful about who is allowed to preach and to, to teach, both from the pulpit on Sunday mornings, but for Bible classes. Elizabeth's careful about who teaches Bible studies. Joe would be careful about who is teaching the youth. Anything that is a teaching ministry of the church, they want to make sure that there is no question about false doctrine being taught. Paul, because we don't want, we don't want division within the church. And so Paul gives two instructions about these false teachers. He says to identify them and to avoid them. And he he talks about these these false teachers, they use smooth talk and flattery. But what we have to do is we have to hold everything to Jesus Christ and to the teaching of Scripture. You know, Andrew and I, we share memes back and forth sometimes. And so if you look at our text threads, that's mostly what it is, that and, and Wordle, right? Um, but we, I found one last week. There was a picture of the Last Supper, right? And the words on it said, one will betray, but four will get book deals. <laughs> So we were talking about this, right? We were. <laughs> so we were talking about this meme, and and in reality, who the fourth author was? Because just a note, of the twelve, that's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not in those. Um, Matthew and John are, but Mark and Luke uh, were not in the original twelve. Um, and so we were talking about. You know, who would have been present in, in the room? Who would have been authors? Because, you know, this is my son and that's just what he does. So we talked about, well, if another one would have been Peter, as Peter did write a, a book. And then, and then he was like, but who would be the fourth one? Um, and so the person who made the meme was thinking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Just thinking the Gospels. And it's fine. It's still a funny meme, whether it's, real or not you know it doesn't matter um but but he was he was just trying to analyze it and he was like well maybe it means thomas didn't he write a book and and so we talked about about the gospel of thomas and how that is not canon it's not part of the bible and and about why and he was like oh yeah this was andrew that's because it has all that weird stuff that jesus wouldn't have done like killing someone. Now we continued the conversation 
and and was more than that but but that was that was kind of the thing it was it was the gospel of thomas isn't scripture and so it's not something that i need to hold my jesus to what's written in the gospel of thomas you know that's that's part of of that um that flattery uh flattery language and smooth talk that that paul is warning us against you know every teaching that we obey must line up with what scripture says and it's not just that that we take a, a single verse taken with no context but we have to look at it with the whole of scripture um, you know, thinking back on our previous lessons on evangelism, we talked about this a little bit, that if someone told you that you can win people to Jesus without using words, we showed that that was not a biblical view, right? That you can show people the love of Jesus through your actions, but you can't save them just through your actions. They need to know what Jesus did. Um, and, and so that's, uh, that's part of, of what is sometimes something that is one verse taken out of context that is in reality not what Scripture says. Uh, but there are plenty of those and plenty of times that that happens. Um, but many times, in addition to just smooth talk, we see that there is selfish ambition at work. Now, this is definitely not every televangelist you see. So don't take it that way. I am not doing a, like, everyone's bad. But, um, you know, some from years ago that seemed, there, there were some televangelists years ago that seemed more interested in donations than in really spreading the gospel. Now, you need money to do ministry. Totally get that. Totally encourage you to give to the church. But, but when you think about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, they started off very well-meaning, started off with very good intentions, with a passion and a heart for Jesus, but they wound up being charged with fraud, with multiple houses and planes and, and all sorts of stuff that was paid for by this ministry. They were over-promising and over-selling. Uh, the, the kicker was kind of they wanted the they wanted to open a, a sort of Christian version of Disneyland for lack of a better, you know, example here, better terminology. And at one point they were giving out a deal where if, if you gave a one-time donation of a thousand dollars, that that gave you a free night at their resort every year. Now think about that. How many rooms would really be in a hotel? Not a whole lot, right? The, so the problem was they got a whole lot more $1,000 donations than they had available nights and rooms at the hotel. There was no way to give back and to, to uphold that, that deal that they had made. Um, you know, this one's just one example that's that's easy to see but it's not always that selfish ambition isn't always financial it's not always a money thing um but but that's just one that's that's a very easy one to see 
But with any teacher, even those at Mount Calvary Church, even me, you have to use discernment. You have to, you have to make sure that what we are teaching is what the Bible is teaching. And so that's how we identify them. We have to use these, identify the false teachers is we have to, we have to know scripture so that we can know that what they are teaching is what the Bible is teaching. But then, then Paul also tells us we have to avoid them. Building up the church is not about making and keeping friends. It's about pleasing God and being consistent in our testimony. There is a difference between being obedient and being naive. And so we must keep learning. We must not become complacent. We cannot compromise. When we have these false teachers, we cannot listen to them. We must avoid them. If that's when you see Jim and Tammy Faye Baker pop up on the TV, you immediately turn it off. That's what you have to do. You have to make sure that what you are, what you are being taught as scripture is truly scripture. And then you have to get rid of everything else that claims to be teaching scripture that is not. And then there is verse 20. Verse 20 is a great word of encouragement. I'm going to read it again. It says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul is reminding us that these false teachers and this divisiveness comes from Satan. But then it it specifically says the God of peace. Now, when I think of peace, I generally think of unity. And so he's saying, but God is the opposite of that division. And he is going to crush the father of that division under your feet. But that idea of crushing goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. Was that one yours, Joyce? Genesis 3? Thank you. Timothy Keller says, Jesus is the serpent crusher at the cross and on his return, but his people are part of the victory. Satan suffers defeat each time someone puts their faith in Christ, receives his righteousness, and escapes hell. Each time a Christian obeys their father joyfully, and each time God's people worship together in faith and unity. And so there's that word of encouragement in the midst of the, the word of warning that, that it's going to happen, but it's okay because God's going to take care of it. Now, some people believe that this verse, the verse 20, may have been the end of the letter at one point, but clearly there is more that is written in, in Scripture, written as part of our canon, and so we're going to take a look at it. And so it. Um, our last verses for today are Romans 16, 21 through 23. 
Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason, and so Sapatar, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is the host to me and to the church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And so here we have another list of names, but this time it's the people who were with Paul that are sending their greetings to the Roman church. So Timothy, uh, Timothy was, was Paul's co-laborer. Uh, Paul called him a son in the faith in 1 Timothy 1-2. Timothy joined Paul at Lystra on his second missionary journey, and that is Acts 16-1. Um, did I give someone Philippians 2, 19 through 24? I may not have. I couldn't remember if I did or not. Some pages weren't turned down there. It says, I hope in the Lord, this is Philippians 2. So I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genu genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And so Paul and Timothy were very close. They worked closely together, um, but it, it, it went beyond just a working relationship. And so Paul was even willing to send, for, for the Philippian church, to send Timothy in his place to get, to, to support that church, but also to, to hear back from that church. Um, and, and so Timothy was, was one who was with him and would be with him. Uh, and then there were his, his kinsmen that were with him, those, those fellow Jews, uh, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. Um, some people will read into that, that Lucius is Luke, who was the author of the book of Luke and of Acts, or that Jason was Paul's host in Thessalonica in Acts 17.6. There is no real evidence of this besides those names, and so it's hard to tell whether those would be the same people or not, um, but could be, who knows? And then there's Tertius, who is the scribe. He, this was a common practice at the time for, for someone else to physically write the letter. Um, I was just actually thinking about that this morning on my way here. Is, um, Ray is in Louisville this week at a conference, and, um, but I have to send out some emails to get some things moving for him for, for church stuff. And I was like, so do I send them from his email? And then do I sign his name? Do I just sign my name? Do I send it from my email and sign my name? Like all these things going on in my head, right? That really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. But then there's Tertius who was sending the letter in Paul's name, you know, doing, um, doing exactly what 
in many cases is done, uh, done still today. But Paul shows his kindness to Tertius by allowing him to send his own greeting as well. Because you see, it's I, Tertius, who wrote this letter. And so he's, he's adding his own line. That's not from Paul. That's from Tertius. Um, Gaius is the owner of the house that Paul is staying in, as well as the host of a house church. Did I give someone 1 Corinthians 1.14? I wondered if I completely just stopped handing, stopped writing things down at one point. Do you have it? That would be great. 1 Corinthians 1.14? Yes. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gatius. And so, so this is the same man here because this is in Corinthians that he would have been in Corinth at the time. Um, and then we see the, the last two there are Erastus and Quartus. Um, Quartus is a Latin name, so he would have had some connection to Rome that the people there would have known who he was. Um, but, but Erastus uh, is, is a Sid, the ESV says city treasurer, others just say city official. Um, it just tells you that, that Paul was able to reach, again, that, that commoner all the way up to the city officials with, with the Jesus. He, 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 was, he had no hesitation to reach anyone with any, any social class, any background, um, and, and so that's, when we think about these names, you know, that's really one of the big things to think about. And so I know we went through verse 23 this week. Next week, we start at verse 25. And I know because I've already been asked the question at least once, what about verse 24? So I'm going to completely leave you hanging. The ESV does not include verse 24, but we are going to talk about that verse and the reasoning next week. Um, just so you are aware of the whys and the hows, and we're not just skipping verses willy-nilly. Um, you can trust me <laughs> to not be teaching false doctrine by skipping verse 24. <laughs> so, um, so next week we will finish. It's it's not. Yeah. Yep, because then you'll come back next week for our last one. <laughs> our, so our last verses is, is 25 through 27. There are some versions, and I looked them up, but I forgot to write them down, uh, that would have verse 24 written in it. So if you want to find one that has 24, um, my, my Bible. My has it in, written in the footnotes. Yeah. Bible, yeah, BibleHub.com is one that you can put in a verse and it'll show it up in a number of different uh, translations. Uh, so if you're interested, that's BibleHub.com. Um, and then, yeah, so next week, 25 through 27, unless you can find 24 and then go for it. Um, and then we are dismissed to our small groups.